welcome to Traffic on Hear Women Talk, produced and broadcast by the Zeus Radio Network. Well, welcome back, listeners. I appreciate you tuning in yet again to what I believe is our eighth episode of Trafficked. We are making amazing progress and growing every week, so thank you, listeners, and thank you to our guests. As always, I start with a rant or a rave. Last week, I was pretty pretty much over the top on my rant. Uh, this week, I'd like to balance that with a rave. I want, I want to really commend media and celebrity. If we weren't able to let people know that trafficking existed, not only in the, around the world, but in the United States, we wouldn't be able to help our, our victims and to disrupt the traffickers. And years ago, I learned exactly more of a, an in-depth understanding of how media and celebrity work and how they can benefit so many people. And I'm so thankful to have their help. Our guests today are Angel Saltis of the Ricky Martin Foundation and Mimi Swartz of Texas Monthly Magazine. And uh, we're going to go through how we've worked together and how they helped us help other people. So again, my rave, my congratulations, my thanks for media and how they can help um, society take a different look at problems that are affecting them every day. Without media, most individuals wouldn't even know. So thank you, thank you, and I look forward to the next years where we can have an even more in-depth discussion about trafficking in the public. Well, that brings me to our first guest, and I'm so happy and honored to introduce our guest who is calling in all the way from Quito, Ecuador. And actually, it's such a pleasure. As all the years I've known him, I didn't actually know till recently this is his home country. Um, we have met in Houston and Washington. We've been on the phone for years, traded many emails, done some amazing projects. And yet, because I was uh, calling about this show, I found out that my friend is actually originally from Ecuador. This is Angel Saltos, past executive director, director of the Ricky Martin Foundation. Welcome, Angel. Dori, uh, many greetings. It's such a great pleasure to be on the air, talking to you, to your team, to your colleagues, to your friends, and to all the audiences that are listening. You have taken such a remar remarkable route in the trafficking uh, issue that, uh, you know, you have gained the respect of uh, many people, including myself, and as a past director of the Ricky Martin Foundation, I commend all the things that you have done in the past, most important, the things that you are doing in the future for this cause that uh, has caught the attention of Global, global audiences, governments, etc. So it's a pleasure. I am in Quito, Ecuador today, and, uh, you know, technology makes magic. So, you know, this is fantastic. Well, thank you. We were just commenting about how much we love Skype, uh, love Facebook, the Internet. When I was a kid, we didn't even have call waiting. So, wow, what amazing times we live in. That is correct. Well, let's go and talk about the Ricky Martin Foundation, which actually led uh, its path to Houston, where you and I met. So I'm going to let you start with where you began working on trafficking. Well, um, everything started uh, way back in 2003, uh, when I had the honor of meeting Ricky. 
he was coming back from a trip from India and uh, he stopped in Washington DC because he really wanted to learn more about the issue as he has just rescued some girls and taken him away from prostitution in, in one of his uh, trips to India. Uh, the issue captivated me, most important, it captivated me, Ricky's passion and commitment to really learn, educate himself, but most important, to take action on the issue. So I got involved with uh, Ricky Martin uh, first as a friend, and then uh, he asked me to uh, lead his organization, the Ricky Martin Foundation. So to me, it was such a beautiful opportunity uh, to be working with Ricky, and most important, you know, to be able to craft the programmatic base for the foundation. So I was living in Washington, D.C., and I moved to San Juan, Puerto Rico, where everything started. And, uh, you know, from day one, uh, I counted with Ricky's commitment, involvement, and passion to combat uh, child exploitation in all its forms. So our first stop I will never forget was at the United Nations in uh, October of 2004, where he addressed the General Assembly. That really sparked, you know, on a global basis, you know, all the, all the interest and captioned the, the attention, not only of the media, but governments that really wanted to learn about what was happening. The rest is history. Uh, 2004, 2005, uh, I started building the foundation with a model that uh, it has worked for me and I really suggest that is the way to go about this and is about alliances. I am a true believer in alliances and partnerships. Without them, it's impossible to, to do this type of work. So the Ricky Martin Foundation started doing its first alliances, first of all with corporations that wanted to get involved into this, with multi multilateral organizations such as the Inter-American Development Bank, uh, USAID, IOM, UNICEF, Save the Children, and all fine institutions that were really uh, interested in collaborating and, and pitching in their resources, not only financial, but human resources, in order uh, to have a very sound programmatic base to combat this horrendous crime. I had so a pleasure. That must have been exciting. I mean, imagine that at the time, few people really know this, that this is going on and don't understand it. And yeah, you have some of the world's largest organizations working with you in collaboration. That's really commendable. It was very exciting, and uh, I felt very, very happy because the response from the model that we wanted to, to have, which was a partnership model, it had a tremendous response from all these organizations. I was extremely happy also because Ricky felt, you know, that all his interests and his convictions were at play in the best possible way. So, you know, everything started with alliances. We brought the media in, we brought CNN, we brought the Washington Post, the New York Times. I mean, uh, it, it, was, it was a perfect situation to tell the world that this program existed and also to tell and share with the world what the Ricky Martin Foundation uh, was interested in doing. And then, of course, since the Foundation's mission was not only to combat child exploitation in all its forms, but also to be involved, you know, um, tangentially with, uh, with natural disasters, you know, we uh, were one of the first Latin American organizations that went to Asia 
to uh, provide some help to the to the victims of the tsunami. There was a lot of child trafficking those days in those areas. So, uh, Jerry, so that's when I first learned that first responders aren't always good guys. We were getting emails immediately that first responders were also traffickers, or they were already there. That is exactly that is exactly true. So we were there, and once again, alliances came right in handy. We built an alliance with Habitat for Humanity, the government of uh, of Thailand, and we were able, you know, to really uh, do something about it. Uh, we were able to build and deliver about uh, 250 homes in a devastated area for families that lo that either lost mom or dad, and there were children, you know, that. Uh, were, 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 were orphans and they had no protection so that was a fantastic uh, um, kick off of our activities in 2005 and then you know Katrina hit so we living in the United States you know we, we, we couldn't and Ricky couldn't you know just stop and, and, and watch so immediately we also went to the devastated area uh, Ricky himself went there and uh, we we uh, Again, in alliances with the Puerto Rican organizations, we were able to raise some money, to get some funding, to provide some funding, and later on, and that's how I met you, uh, Dori, was when, um, in 2006 we came back with the results of our fundraising efforts to provide assistance and financial support so, to some schools in the area that uh, um, were really in need. So our, our work continued throughout 2006 and alliances kept building up. We made a fantastic alliance with the Inter-American Development Bank and uh, we, um, we, we placed uh, and launched a campaign called Llama y Vive. That campaign was a multimedia campaign, awareness and education campaign throughout Latin America. We provided uh, toll-free numbers so victims of this crime could call in their local authorities. Once again, all this work was not going to be possible by ourselves. So the Ricky Martin Foundation engaged in a very strong and serious relationships with the governments of the region. Governments that, that before kind of neglected the problem. And you know, I, who is going to judge them? They didn't know that existed. So it was a, a situation, you know, the chore of, of the Ricky Martin Foundation was to really educate the authorities also on this crime and, and to let them know that the problem does not exist only in Asia or, or, or in remote areas. It exists, you know, in every capital city all over the world and South America was not an exception. So we launched a campaign which was extremely successful. It, it helped to really rescue and rescue a lot of victims, potential victims, I would say. But most important, it put the name human trafficking and child trafficking in the agenda, in the political agenda of governments and political authorities of governments that for the first time recognized that this was a problem that needed to be combated so, you know, they will react into it. So I am extremely pleased to know that uh, through the actions of the Ricky Martin Foundation, and especially of Ricky's personal commitment, that all this happened in such a fashion that right now human trafficking is not a myth, is a reality, and governments are facing it. 
You know, that's so amazing because in the same years I was having similar problems in my area um, with the U.S. Attorney's Office and law enforcement standing there arguing with me saying there is no trafficking in Houston and there's probably just a little bit in the United States. And, of course, years later we know that was never true, but it was perception which was keeping the victims from being identified and helped. And, um, you know, bringing... I remember when you were in Houston, we were touring the um, um, the um, the Reliance Center where the victims of Katrina were being held. And it was so amazing because all the people that were law enforcement that I had been speaking to about trafficking and training happened to be there. Of course, it was a major event for Houston, and the police were a big part of keeping everything in order. And after they saw me walking around with you and Ricky, I had a different status when they was talking about trafficking. And um, I, we're going to go to break now, and I just wanted to talk about that. I had led in saying how celebrities can help. This is one example of how it was. Um, I was the same person, but suddenly they were listening now. So this is Dottie Laster with Trafficked. We'll be back in just a moment to pick up about Ricky visiting Houston and what his foundation is doing now. This is Paul Trulove on Zeus Radio Network for HearWomenTalk.com. Hi, folks. This is private investigator Vicki Childs, host of the Vicki Childs Show on Hear Women Talk Radio. How safe is your cell phone? Is someone listening to all your calls or reading your text messages? How about your computer? Is someone watching all of your keystrokes? Or do you want to know what your child, your employee, or your spouse are doing on a computer or cell phone. If you need computer or cell phone forensics, do what I do. Talk to Steve Abrams at abramsforensics.com. Steve is a highly respected and skilled forensics expert as well as an attorney. Contact Steve Abrams for a free 15-minute consultation at abramsforensics.com. That's abramsforensics.com. Or click on the Abrams Forensics banner ad on Hear Women Talk and use promo code Hello, race fans. This is Jeff Gilmer, creator of RacersReunion.com. When you're in Myrtle Beach, check out my favorite, the Caravel Resort. The Caravel Resort has a golf department and concierge with golf privileges at virtually every course on the Grand Strand, including the coveted Dunes Club. And ladies, pamper yourself with Caravel's Studio Spa. Featuring services such as Swedish massage, heated stone therapy, reflexology, manicures, pedicures, facials, and more. Awaken your senses with the most requested massage and spa therapies. The Caravelle Resort, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, 800-507-9145. Get the best rate on the Grand Strand when you use promo code RACERS at thecaravelle.com. 800-507-9145. 800-507-9145. Hi, this is Kay Van Hoosen, founder of Hear Women Talk. Every Monday, you can return to love with Jen Ward and Genuine Healing. Jen is an empath, a healer, and an intuitive, and Jen will show you how to remove blockages, heal yourself, and feel love. That's Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern on Hear Women Talk. Hi, this is Judy Collins from Judy's House of Oldies, and you're listening to Hear Women Talk Radio on the Zeus Radio Network.
Welcome back, everyone, to Traffic on Hear Women Talk, produced and broadcast by the Zeus Radio Network. We are speaking with Angel Saltis of the Ricky Martin Foundation. We're talking about all the efforts that Ricky and his foundation have done to bring awareness about human trafficking. And I wanted to just take this moment and just uh, recant when I came in to meet Ricky and, and witnessed he and Angel in action as they were working. It was at their Alliance Center in Katrina. When the Hurricane Katrina happened, um, a lot of the... Um, People who escaped that disaster wound up in Houston at the Reliance Center. And I received an email from some people we work with uh, on human trafficking out of Washington, D.C., and uh, they said that Angel would be in town. It would be a good idea for any of the human trafficking folks to meet with him. So I said, well, yeah, of course. And uh, I got a hold of Angel, and we met at the Four Seasons Hotel in downtown Houston late one night. His day ended at later than 10 p.m. And so uh, we clicked immediately knowing we both wanted to uh, help people understand that there was trafficking and, and how they could help. And then I was at work the next day and Angel gave me this quick urgent call saying, Mi amiga, Dottie, I need your help. And I said, okay, what can I do? And he needed some toys. He had to have toys at the Reliance Center for the children by 2 o'clock as a gift from Ricky. Well, I did it. I went all around Houston. We were looking for specific toys, and nobody had them. No, no, two weeks. We can't get them. you got to order them. Well, finally, I got frustrated, and I said, look, it's for the Ricky Martin Foundation. I really need your help. Oh, my gosh. Toys flew off the shelf, out of the back room. They loaded them in my car. Couldn't have been nicer, which is what I was explaining is how celebrity works. Even though I was Dottie from the YMCA helping children, I couldn't get what I needed. But as soon as I dropped the wonderful name of Ricky Martin, doors opened and miracles happened. So um, um, we, we joined our partnership at that moment, and we've continued through the years. So let me get back to Angel. He was talking about what he's done and, and moving forward in the um, foundation's efforts, and then we're going to get to his recent trip to Haiti. Thank you, Dottie. Um, well, I continued working with the Ricky Martin Foundation until 2009. It's very important to make clear that I was the executive director until last year, a moment that I transitioned into some new activities in Washington, D.C. But I am so honored to have led the organization and to have done all these things uh, with Ricky and, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's such a gratifying feeling uh, for me uh, to know that I have contributed with whatever I was able to contribute to the mission of the foundation and, and of course, to, to Ricky's interest. Um, the foundation continued in 2006, 2007, building more alliances, doing some more awareness campaigns. Uh, and uh, one of the one of remarkable initiatives that the foundation uh, has was to build a child development center in Puerto Rico in a very um, uh, in, a, in an area with a lot of vulnerability for the kids. So that is one of the last things as as I departed the foundation that was work in progress. Um, the foundation is such a fine institution that has gained so much respect in the U.S. and worldwide, and I am so glad, and that is thanks to the commitment of the founder and president, uh, Ricky Martin, 
and that that has it, it has he he's a, his personality you know is is such that is he transmits and delivers so much energy in into into people into authorities into different audiences so after i went back to washington dc in 2009 i continue advising several other groups that are working in latin america and uh, of course one of the main the main the main topics is social development how to alleviate poverty how to to work around the issues that are affecting uh, vulnerable populations in latin america to to uh, help them to get out of poverty and to give them a dignified life but as as you know natural disasters happen all the time and uh, unfortunately last january haiti was hit with a huge huge earthquake once again, I had, I had the pleasure of facilitating a trip uh, for uh, Ricky Martin and the foundation to go and visit Haiti, you know, and to build an alliance once again with, a, with a, a Habitat for Humanity. Out of that alliance is my understanding that there is going to be some homes being built in Haiti. But since I am working in the region, I was not foreign to everything that was happening in that, in that country. Being in Washington is a fantastic place because I have access to not only information but to a lot of stakeholders as well as organizations that are working regionally. So uh, let me tell you, Dori, what I've been doing in the last few months. Um, actually, 2010 has been, a, has been a year that I, it has been very blessed for myself because I have met and engaged with such fine institutions that are doing some great things in Latin America. One of, one of them is called Un Techo Para Mi País, which if you translate into English, it's called One Roof for My Country. It's a youth-led organization that has its headquarters in Santiago, Chile. It's a fantastic organization that their mission is to build homes uh, with volunteers you, young volunteers from universities across Latin America and they build homes for the poorest of the poor. This is, this is such a great thing that they are doing. The organization started about 13 years ago in Santiago, Chile. Right now they are in 18 countries and Haiti couldn't be the exception. So Un Techo Para Mi País, which I invite everybody to visit, www. Un techo para mi país, just as it is spelled. Um, it's, it's building homes. Uh, it's building partnerships with everybody that wants to build homes for the people that have lost everything. In Haiti, uh, they have built already about 600 homes, and they are planning to build about uh, a thousand in the next coming coming weeks. Uh, before the end of the year, the goal is to is to build uh, about uh, a thousand homes. Haiti. It offers its difficulties. It's not an easy place to work. I've been actively working in Haiti with the government and with the international cooperation agencies. Unfortunately, it's a country that, you know, uh, it's facing a lot of problems, a lot of despair. And what I am doing, you know, uh, linked with this organization, Un Techo Para Mi País, is bringing hope. We are bringing homes, but more than anything, we are bringing dignity to the families that lost everything and they don't have a roof where to where to spend their lives so that's what i've been doing lately uh, dori um let me just clarify what that website is un pecha 
Pardon me, país. Yes, it's www.unt as in Thomas, E C H O P A R A M I P A I S dot org. Un techo para mi país dot org. And you know, this is amazing. So you're telling me this is a youth led organization that is making an amazing difference in the world. Totally, totally. There is about 250,000 volunteers throughout the hemisphere. Uh, they are in 18 countries and they have already built and delivered about 70,000 homes to people that had nothing before. And this is just happening in the last few years. So I am coordinating and facilitating some of the activities that they are doing from Washington, D.C. I am building their networks and contributing with more, with more partnerships and uh, introducing them to funding sources and all that. We had the pleasure of being at the Clinton Global Initiative about uh, 10 days ago, where Un Techo Para Mi País presented the project. And you cannot imagine, I mean, it's, it's an overwhelming acceptance from every, every potential donor that they would like to contribute, and they are all excited to see that young people, which are the present of the world, of the hemisphere, are doing and transforming the scenario and the picture. They are transforming the landscape of Latin America. I mean, poverty exists, but Un Techo Para Mi País, let me tell you, that are doing some remarkable things to change that landscape. Being so part me, of that, yes. Let me go back and draw the picture here. So you're at the Global Clinton Initiative. Initiative. Tell me the names of the people that are there. That pe you know, you've got Ashton Kutcher, Demi Moore. Tell me who well, else there. And then these children, these these youngsters, are impressing those level of people. Exactly. Well, uh, as you know, the Clinton Global Initiative is a is a one one every year event where there are a lot of topics. Ten days ago, one of the topics was it was human trafficking, actually, and I had the pleasure of of participating in some of the meetings where, you know, for example, Ashton Kutcher and Demi Moore, they were there and they uh, they uh, launched a campaign. Uh, Ashton uh, has a campaign and a world campaign uh, called uh, um, "Real Men Don't Buy Girls." which I, 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 I like it, I think it's going to be successful because it's demand-driven. But at the, at, the, at the Clinton Global Initiative, there are people from all walks of life and institutions and corporations and philanthropies and millionaires and all that type of thing. I mean, Mr. Gates was there, Michelle Obama was there, uh, President Clinton, of course, he was, the, he was the host of the whole event. And, uh, you know, it's an opportunity for you to interact, to present, convey and engage you know, all these people that are willing to change the world with financial resources. So, you know, it was a fantastic opportunity, not only for the human trafficking topic, which was present, but also for the group that I am representing now in Washington, which is Un Techo Para Mi País, because we had the opportunity to really share everything that we were doing in such an innovative way. Well, thank you, Angel, so much. And I am so impressed. As, as we've often said, one of my mottos is, you don't need permission to help others, and it sounds like you're hooked up with a group of dynamic um, um, young people that know what they want, and they are just doing it. I'm so impressed, and uh, we're unfortunately out of time, but I am so happy 
to know what you're doing and I'd love to chat back in the future and, and see what your progress is. Do you have any last thoughts before we go to break? Well, my last uh, thoughts um, is first of all, congratulations to you. Thank you for this opportunity and, uh, you know, once again, only through alliances, networks, and people that are well-intentioned, we can change the world. We are doing it one day Thank at a time. You. Thank you so much. Angel Saltos, past executive director of the Ricky Martin Foundation. This is Dottie Laster for Trafficked. Hold on. When we come back, we have Mimi Schwartz, executive editor for Texas Monthly Magazine. Hi, my name is Jesse Jordan with Further Faster Initiatives, and you're listening to Hear Women Talk Radio. Tonight, take an adventure on the Myrtle Beach Ghost Walk. Explore the haunted swamps where alligators and the ghosts from long ago still reside. Stroll across floating walkways beneath the Spanish moss as your pirate guide leads you by lantern and shares 13 spooky tales along the way. The Ghost Walk departs nightly at dusk, only at Barefoot Landing in North Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Call 843-361-2700 or visit MyrtleBeachGhostWalk.com for advance tickets. The Myrtle Beach Ghost Walk. When you're in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, home of Zeus Broadcast Network and hear women talk, there's a wonderful adventure that you should try. Carolina Safari Jeep Tours. Go to www.CarolinaSafari.com and check out Carolina Safari. Mention, hear women talk and get a discount from Carolina Safari Cheap Tours. See another side of Myrtle Beach. Get wild with wildlife. Explore history, nature, and mystery on a Carolina Safari Jeep Tour. Hi, this is John Banks with the Zeus Radio Network and Hear Women Talk. Come join me on Mondays from 2 to 3 p.m., with bringing man out of the cave. We're going to try to take an interesting look at the male-female dynamic as I try to give you answers as to why men do what they do. Come join me on Mondays. Hi, this is Gina Tremarco with the Martini Meeting. Listen to the Martini Meeting with Eileen Soizan and myself every Thursday at 2.30 p.m. on Zeus Radio for hearwomentalk.com. Hi, this is Michelle with LaBellamy Vineyard. You're listening to Hear Women Talk Radio on the Zeus Radio Network. Welcome back, everyone. This is Dottie Laster for Trafficked on Hear Women Talk, produced and broadcast by the Zeus Radio Network. Well, wow, that was really fun. We were in Quito, Ecuador, speaking with Angel Saltos, who was past president of the Ricky Martin Foundation. And I just have to add the picture that I sent in the announcement. Yes, that's me, Ricky, and Angel. And I was actually that night, I went to Ricky's concert in Houston. Which, that was really amazing. But the cool thing was, I went with the band. <laughs> I still have my ticket, which Ricky gave to me, which says 000 on it because it's his comp ticket. And I didn't have to use the ticket because I went with Ricky. Yeah, even my kids thought that was kind of cool. 
So anyhow, wonderful organization, love the work, and they've done a great job. Now I'm moving forward into Houston to Texas, my home state, to um, someone who called me as a writer and has become um, certainly much more to that in, in, in the lives of traffic victims and in my world, Mimi Schwartz. She's executive editor of Texas Monthly Magazine and the author of the article, The Lost Girls. It appeared in the April issue of Texas Monthly Magazine, and although it was not the cover story, it received more views than any other story. Her writing made people understand why it was so important, what the victims were going through, and actually we have a great update to the story at the end of our discussion. Welcome, Mimi. Thanks, Dottie. I'm glad to be here. Well, it's so nice to have you, and I'm so glad that you're on the show with Angel, is because uh, Angel and I did a lot of work in Houston, and uh, I just feel like I'm coming home today. (laughs) So tell me how you started this story. It's been amazing. It's changed people's perspectives on trafficking and prostitution, and and bless your heart, what drug you into this? <laughs> um, well, it's sort of a funny story, and it is the way it's the way a lot of stories uh, come about. I'm afraid, um, which means they have nothing to do with what you end up doing. My uh, my father is 83, and he was having some very serious foot problems. So, being a good daughter, I found a foot specialist in Houston and took him to the doctor. And while he was inside being examined by the doctor, this young woman came out that looked sort of familiar. And... Um, she reminded me that we had met. Her name was Jennifer Silverman, and Jennifer had um, a very complicated and difficult upbringing, and um, I I knew she had been a stripper in the past at one of the men's clubs in Houston, which all those women know everything. So I said to Jennifer, you know, I'm kind of looking for a story to do. I don't really have a good story. I was thinking about doing something on gun trafficking, and when I told her that, she said, no, you want to do a story about human trafficking. And she's, the more she talked about it, because she knew a lot about it um, and had tried to help some victims. And through her, I interviewed a former vice officer, and he told me, well, you can't do this story without talking to Dottie Laster. And that is how we got started. Uh, it was so amazing. The day you called me, um, the previous day, I'd gotten a call from a, a, a former uh, person that I'd been helping for years. I call them clients. You can yeah. say victim, survivor, whatever. Um, and she had, through a very circuitous route, gotten word to me that was, she was detained in Gina, Louisiana. And then when you called, I thought, this must be uh, meant to be. So yeah. um, I talked to you briefly, and then I got... It was very difficult to find her, but I finally got a hold of her and said, could we do the story about you while we're trying to get you out? And she said yes. Yeah. And so then you and I were up and running from that moment forward. <laughs> yes, we took a very long trip. Well, uh, yeah, we did. We thought we could take what looked like a reasonable trip to Louisiana, and then we were sort of thwarted at every turn. By the time we got there... Uh, by the time we finally got to the private prison where she was uh, incarcerated, it was virtually closing time, and we had to beg um, 
them to let us in, which they did, fortunately. But that was that, so good, but it was so funny. I was I was sitting there saying, "There's no way we're going to be turned around after yeah. that." I mean, yeah. we literally had a 24-hour day that day yeah. in order to see her, and uh, it was there was fog, there was. The airplanes didn't land where they were supposed to. We got diverted. Then we had to get a rental car, which actually made me, that's kind of funny. Can you tell them the difficulty we had getting a rental car? Well, uh, <laughs> this isn't going to reflect very well on me, but, you know, I get really, really busy, and certain things just sort of fall by the wayside. And the thing that fell by the wayside, maybe because I didn't want to think about how old I was getting, was that my driver's license had expired. So <laughs> we were at the airport uh, where I wasn't I the only one with a credit card, but you were the only one with a valid driver's license. Is that exactly. We really and the first people turned us down. I think we ended up having to go to budget after trying. Avis or Hearst or something, and they were like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> but it was so interesting because you're saying, I'm starting to understand what your clients go through. Right, that's right, because I suddenly had no ID, and you know, or no valid ID, and I couldn't get anywhere. And it, it did really give me, that's a really good question, it just gave me an immediate insight into what it's like being basically a non-person. Yes, yeah, so we did make it to meet her, and uh, we were actually interviewing her at the jail. You were writing the story, and I was trying to get information to help on her case. Uh-huh, um, and it was a little tricky because, again, you're, you know, we were at the jail. There was a piece of glass between us, and they wouldn't let me take any notes. So, you know, I, I, I my short-term memory could be better, um, but it ended up okay. I think, and they let us talk to her a lot longer than they said they were going to. So, um, between the two of us, I think we had a really good start. And then they let me call after that. So yes, and uh, oh. so due to your help, we were able to com continue communicating with her over the phone because. Um, there was so many details to the story, but then there was even more volume of details we needed in order to get her released. And yeah. uh, without your help, I don't know how we would have done that. Well, it was very, you know, it was very exciting. There aren't very many times as a journalist when you really get to, you know, to make an immediate difference. And to see the change in this woman that we called Kiki in the story, you know, this is somebody who'd been imprisoned in so many ways for so long and and then she spent Dottie didn't she spend about a year in that exactly a year I got her out a year yeah I got noticed she was going to be released exactly to the date one year yeah and and you know kind of if if Dottie hadn't been involved who knows what would have happened I mean I guess she would have eventually just been deported and perhaps faced certain death but she didn't have an advocate until she found Dottie, and, and you just see what happens to the average person who just gets shuttled from place to place until they can basically dump them back in their country of origin. And she should never have been. You know, she was a trafficking victim, and nobody, uh, Dottie was joking at one point about, I can't remember if you said this or did somebody tell you this, Dottie, about, you know, the worst place to be a trafficking victim is in Louisiana because they don't, they don't know anything about the laws and they don't know anything about this. They're not sympathetic to the situation. So she was in a terrible bind. 
Yes, and you know what was amazing is that it was at Christmas. Um, I got the word from her just a few days before Christmas, and working between Christmas and New Year's, I felt the only person that was working was myself and the deportation officer, and of course you, and we were joking. There was like, he's the only bureaucrat that did not take a holiday. Yeah. Yeah. And I was literally in a foot race with him because he was about to get her on a plane out of the country. Yeah. And uh, he was making progress, and I was getting pretty much blocked at every avenue. But we beat him. <laughs> yeah. And, again, it was sort of miraculous because, you know, and he wasn't a bad guy. That was just his job. And yeah, he wanted and to do a good job. Good you know, I often was- laughed. I'm good at what I do, and he was good at what he did. Yeah. <laughs> and it was a race. <laughs> But uh, as I started the show off, um, I believe having media attention on her really helped us because um, while we were doing everything correctly, it's very easy for someone who has little, even though I I was helping, I've I've got a pretty strong pull, but I didn't have a gigantic pull. And with uh, the magazine shining attention on her, I do believe that helped us immensely. Well, I think nobody wanted the, you know, I think they really couldn't figure out why, but nobody wanted the, you know, the negative attention that was going to come down on them. And and I think since the story's been done, you know, I, I see a lot more activity in Houston, I think, trying to help victims. There still needs to be a, um, a safe house, which, Dottie, maybe you want to explain you know what that is. I, I just think it's a it's a huge absence in Houston that there aren't maybe a dozen of them for these victims. Yeah, it, it becomes. Um, you know, we've been working on this. I started working in Houston in 2004, and there were people working on it probably as early as 2003, and and then uh, some informal groups before that. So Houston has people working on it, but what, what happens is it's still not known as much as it should be. And the other thing is, it would be like saying, okay, we've got two domestic violence shelters in the fourth largest city in the nation. Um, okay, we're done. And I, I think that we got to get past that and realize we need multiple um, multiple people, multiple organizations. This shouldn't be unusual that there's a shelter somewhere. It should be expected. Um, We've got to go to break now, and when we come back, uh, we'll move forward in the story. This is Dottie Laster for Traffic. Hi, this is Jessica Dorvaj, host of the Where Is My Guru show, and you are listening to Hear Women Talk Radio. The definition of guru is to lead from darkness to light, and one who is regarded as having great knowledge, wisdom, and authority in a certain area, and who uses it to guide others. Join us on Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for the Where Is My Guru show, where gurus from the areas of art, travel, creative activism, wellness, and the spa share their infinite wisdom and maybe a glass of wine. 
Fridays at 3 p.m. right here on Hear Women Talk Radio. Tonight, take an adventure on the Myrtle Beach Ghost Walk. Explore the haunted swamps where alligators and the ghosts from long ago still reside. Stroll across floating walkways beneath the Spanish moss as your pirate guide leads you by lantern and shares 13 spooky tales along the way. The Ghost Walk departs nightly at dusk, only at Barefoot Landing in North Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Call 843-361-2700 or visit MyrtleBeachGhostWalk.com for advanced tickets. The Myrtle Beach Ghost Walk. Police Psychics, Find Me, with Kelly Snyder and Valerie Graham. This fascinating program explores how vetted psychic sleuths team up with law enforcement to find success, show how this can bring awareness, hope, and closure to families. Also presented are important possibilities which psychic assistance offers for law enforcement, especially at the beginning of an investigation. Host Kelly Snyder is a retired federal agent with 25 years in law enforcement. He's an author and the founder of Find Me, a non profit organization of talented worldwide psychic crime solvers, canine search and rescue volunteers, and others who provide leads in missing person and homicide cases. Find Me's work creates a raised awareness of how psychic abilities can add a tool to a detective's arsenal. Snyder is teamed with co-host Valerie Graham, an author and former sheriff staffer in correctional psychiatry. Join them Tuesdays, 2 p.m. at hearwomentalk.com, H-E-R-E, womentalk.com. When you're in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, home of Zeus Broadcast Network and Hear Women Talk, there's a wonderful adventure that you should try. Carolina Safari Jeep Tours. Go to www.carolinasafari.com and check out Carolina Safari. Mention Hear Women Talk and get a discount from Carolina Safari Jeep Tours. See another side of Myrtle Beach. Get wild with wildlife. Explore history, nature, and mystery on a Carolina Safari Jeep Tour. Hi, this is Judy Collins from Judy's House of Oldies, and you're listening to Hear Women Talk Radio on the Zeus Radio Network. Welcome back, everyone, to Trafficked on Hear Women Talk, produced and broadcast by the Zeus Radio Network. We're speaking with Mimi Swartz, author of The Lost Girls, and we were talking about the amazing journey that she took to write this story. You know, Mimi, you interviewed a lot of people to corroborate uh, Kiki's story. Uh-huh. Um, and I know uh, some of the first comments, they were like, well, you didn't give her name, and you didn't do this, and you didn't do that. But actually, I worked, um, I've worked in media quite a bit now, and uh, I've done movies, I've done national media, um, I've, I've, I've been a, around a lot of very, very good journalists, and I learned more from you than I ever had before, and I just wanted to to really let you talk about the process you went through. Um, I mean, we worked more on this than we did a movie. <laughs> well, I think, I, you know, I want to give credit to my publication, which is Texas Monthly, because they let us spend as much time as we need on a story. Um, and my boss was very, I had a new boss who was very supportive of this. But, you know, the I think the thing most writers, you know, or journalists really dream of is just sort of, you know, there, there are all these things that 
exists under our noses and and those are often the best stories but because they're under our noses we don't see them and when we talk Dottie I mean I you know I've lived in Houston for decades and it never would have occurred to me that all of these massage parlors were anything but that you know that I, it would not have occurred to me that the women were anything but prostitutes who were willingly uh, I guess I need to be careful of my language, but we're willingly working in these places. I had no idea that a lot of them were trafficking victims, and neither, I can tell you, did anybody else in town who read the story. Um, and and so it was sort of exciting to, you know, as horrible as it was, to sort of see something in another way and make sure the reader saw it in another way. Um, and I, think I remember a couple of comments. First of all, you said... Dottie, you've changed my life. And I said, good. And you said, no, I, I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> and then well, later you also said, no one's going to believe me in the middle yeah. of writing this. <laughs> and I think that's true. It, it was just like, you know, it, it. I have to say that, you know, one of the ways it changed my life, unfortunately, was to make me a little less naive and a little less um, optimistic about human nature because it was... You know, it's just an awful thing to see. We were, well, I guess you weren't with me. I went on a on a bus up in um, North Harris County. They were really trying to close down these um, massage parlors. So I went with the uh, county um, constables to, you know, check for licenses, and, and which is the way that they close them down because they're all unlicensed, basically. And, and these women were terrified. You know, they were terrified they were going to get sent home. They were terrified they were going to be put in prison. They, you know, they barely spoke English. And they lived in, you know, sometimes six or seven to a room. You know, everything was just, there were these very sort of quasi-fancy, sleazy massage rooms. But then the girls all lived together, you know, crowded in you know, sometimes six at a time into one room where they all lived and slept. Um, and it just, you know, the fact that this happens in the United States of America is is very troubling. Yeah, yeah, it is. And it is right in front of everyone. And I, I so appreciate that you wrote this article and put the time into it because you did. You spent months on it. You interviewed more than 30 people. Um, we all also supported background documents, Um all the supporting evidence we came up with, which was pretty compelling. Yeah. Um, there's no doubt that this is occurring every in in, all, in most of these locations. And yet, as you see, the number of victims rescued is very, very small compared to yeah. what's out there. Yeah, I mean, they are really, really, really at the bottom of the social ladder here. You know, they're immigrants, they're prostitutes, they're all kinds of things that people, they don't speak English, you know, they, it's like there are all kinds of things that nobody really wants to think about. And they're very hard to help. Um, that was something I learned from you and, and from other professionals is that, you know, essentially they're, you know, I, I don't know, Dottie, you can correct my language, but I mean, they've been brainwashed. And yes. so it's hard to explain to them that they don't have to do what they're doing and that, you know, there are, from the countries that a lot of them came from, they're very frightened of the police. The police were the enemy. So it's hard to convince them that actually in the United States the cops want to help. And it's that even that's debatable. 
Yes, we still never did get a law enforcement declaration signed for Kiki. Um, it's a form filled out for when she reports to police, which she did. And um, it doesn't matter if police agree with her or, or think she's not credible. We still need it signed to show that she made a good effort. And um, we we did never, ever get it signed. And, we, and her private attorney, multiple people assisted in trying to get it signed, but we were denied every time. Luckily, we made success without that. And um, um, we do have a happy ending to this story, although the happy ending did not occur at the time the story was published. Yeah, yeah. It just so, took, you know, it took several more months to get her out, but it was just miraculous when she, and also just seeing her face when she got out, she looked, you know, physically transformed because uh, <laughs> the stress was all gone. We had a, a party when we got word, I got word late one day that she was being released and so I got in the car with my husband and drove to get her and picked her up the next morning <laughs> and in the meantime I'm on the phone with Mimi and we put together a surprise party for her when we got her back to Houston and also on the same day we had gotten two other pieces of good news and okay. another victim I had helped got a, approval for her T visa and I got my credentials to practice immigration law all at the same time you know, I think um, for the people listening, Dottie's being very modest um, because both Kiki and this other woman that she got the TV support had been abandoned by virtually, you know, by every other organization that was supposed to help her. It was just, they were just too, their cases were just too hard. Um, and to see the change in both of these women once they got papers was just an astounding thing to see. Um, I, you know, I feel lucky that it's something I got to witness in my life. But they, if it hadn't been for Dottie's efforts, they would probably both be, you know, deported, dead, who knows. Um, but certainly without any hope in this country. Well, thank you. And, and yes, the payoff is amazing. They um, uh, turned from... Uh like you said, invisible, and and I I considered them banished within society. Yeah. Um, to now, one's going to college and um, as able to work legally, and um, we actually have a surprise, a semi surprise. Maybe we have. Oh, did she get off? On, we have Kiki on the phone. <laughs> so I'd like her to finish the update on her story. Kiki, are you here? Yeah, I'm here. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Hi, Mimi. How are you? I'm good. I'm so glad. And then uh, I call you and hear you talking. I know. I'm sorry. I owe you a call. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kiki is calling. Kiki is calling in because Kiki, I would like you to finish the story. We left off that we had gotten you and Gina. And we had a surprise party in Houston, but what has happened now? What is what are your what are your big accomplishments now? Uh, for me, I yes. just uh, uh, say hi, Mimi, and I'm so so happy. And now I want to tell Mimi I got all uh, my paperwork. I know. I saw it on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. I'm so happy for uh, you. Thank I'm so thank, uh, thankful you believe my story. 
I'm so glad I'm I'm free right now. I can oh. start my new life. Oh, it's so wonderful. And for Thank those of you, you on the, the radio, we have a, a picture um, of Kiki with her social security card, which is the final thing that bound her, which is inability to work. And she is free and able to travel and work as she wants. And talk to her children when she wants, you know. Like, <laughs> yes, we were also... We're also able to bring her. Um, we are also able to bring her children here if she wants to. So anyhow, um, I just wanted to make sure that Kiki got to say hello and thank you. And um, you can follow more about her story on our traffic social site. But the important thing is, is I want people to know her voice is real. She's real, and. Um, and the difference is dramatic. Um, she has been a pleasure to assist. <laughs> um, Thank you, Daddy. You are so welcome. <laughs> um, it's hard with us on Skype and phone, and we can't see each other. But I, I uh, Kiki, do you have any final words? We have another minute or so. Oh, I just uh, want to say I, I love uh, you and love Mimi and um, I have so glad and uh, for everything for hell and now I don't know I'm so excited to talk with uh, Mimi too and you. <laughs> Thank so you so much for, for everything too. for today. <laughs> we well, thank you and we'll stay in touch and we'll keep yeah. updates coming. All right. Thank you, Daddy. And bye. Mimi. Have a good day. Have a great day today. <laughs> you too. Bye. 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 Well, Mimi, what do you think? Was it worth it? Yeah. Are you kidding? It's, <laughs> it's. I mean, it's thanks to you and to her. You know, it's so rare that you get to do a story like that. That are, you know, you really get to make a difference. Just, I'm, I'm extremely grateful. Well, you know, that's coming from a high source. You wrote a book about Enron. You've done amazing stories about very unique happenings around Texas. And uh, to be one of your, your your top on the list there, I, I'm completely honored. Oh, well. <laughs> I'm grateful, so we're even. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I always end the show with a happy, upbeat story, and I think Kiki is it. Just hearing her voice, um, hearing her say thank you, and how excited she is about her new possibilities. And uh, that is what we're about. That's what I encourage everyone listening, um, everyone from our guests to our listeners to people who just learned about us. When you collaborate... It's amazing what happens. So until next week, this is Dottie Laster for Trafficked on Hear Women Talk Radio.